Hey, I'm Drew. And I'm Tim. And this is the Hearts and Hands Podcast. In episode nine, we talk about where we find the subject matter for our art, and we talk with Anna Biedenbender about exploring the human condition. Welcome to another episode of the Hearts and Hands podcast. I'm your host, Tim Babbler, joined as always by my co-host, Drew Sonnenberg. Drew, how are things going for you? Pretty good, Tim. How about you? Well, it's another cold week in the great state of Wisconsin, but aside from that, not too bad. It was 79 degrees here yesterday. That's Let's just not talk about weather right now, apparently. Okay, let's talk about uh, <laughs> Anna Biedenbender, who's our guest this week. As we had our conversation with her, she talked about how she finds the subject matter for her paintings. And she deals a lot with portraits and, and talking to people and getting to know them and having them be the, the subject of her paintings. So that got me thinking, Tim, how do you go about finding the subject matter when you're writing a song? Yeah, a lot of, a lot of my songwriting stems from a specific need, whether that's writing a theme song for a summer camp or writing a specific song to fit with the sermon series when there's maybe not a song out there that I like. But a lot of times for me, I don't necessarily sit down and say, today I'm going to write a song. But I'll hear a a passage or a quote from someone in in church, and a lot of times that will get me thinking about, oh, this would make a great subject matter for a song. And then I dig into it a little bit further and try to expand on the thoughts behind it. And I try to capture what is the true meaning behind the message or what what is this specific passage trying to tell me? And I know that that process doesn't always work, but uh, a lot of times you'd be surprised at, at what a little bit, uh, a few words can give you, and it can, it can trigger something as far as melody goes. And then you try to match up your words with your, you know, with your, with your melody and try to make sure everything flows together. I don't know. How about you? Yeah, I think it, it varies. Like you said, sometimes there's places where we have an upcoming sermon series and I'm just trying to find a song that fits it really well. And there, there's not a whole lot out there. So I decide I want to try to write one or I want to work with someone and co-write one. But there are other times like when we have our annual songwriting weekend that I just kind of have a blank slate and I can pick anything I want. And I found most often there's kind of this saying or phrase or whatever that goes around about pastors and, and ministers and things like that, that you kind of have to preach to yourself first, whether it's a sermon you're writing or a series you're putting together or a service like our Illuminate Evenings that I write, that if if it doesn't mean something to you first, it's not going to mean anything to the people you're preaching it to. So just something that, you know, really strikes a chord with you or some section of scripture that God is really speaking to you through at this particular point in your life. So like this, for example, this past year at Songwriting Weekend, I based mine off of a section of Philippians 4 that talks about the peace that passes understanding. And just, you know, based on the things that had happened in the past year or so of of our church and my life and everything like that was just a section of scripture that was very comforting to me. And I didn't I didn't know of any songs that really spoke to that as directly as I was hoping. So I tried to write yeah, and I find that a lot too. You you go through something or you have a an experience that you want to make sure that what you say has meaning. And and that goes whether you're speaking, whether you're singing, whether you're saying something through art. If it doesn't mean something to you, 
like you said, how is that going to mean something to someone else? That's a very, very important idea. Yeah. And I guess for me personally, another thing that is always kind of in the, at least in the back of my mind, if not farther forward is writing the songs that haven't been written yet. Right. You know, the, there's thousands upon thousands, if not millions of, of Christian songs out there and not somehow it still doesn't feel like we've completely covered the whole Bible. Even like there's parts of the Bible that there just aren't songs about really, or at least there aren't ones that I like or ones that have been written in the last hundred years or whatever, you know, um, <laughs> if I'm sure if you go back far enough, there's songs that cover just about every part, but there's not popular ones or ones that people know about or ones that are easy for a congregation to use. So just kind of trying to fill the void as far as the entire Christian vocabulary goes. Well, I think the idea too, of just finding, finding the right subject matter is really important. And that's uh, that's something that we definitely are going to hear a lot about with our interview from Anna. So let's get to that. Today, we have the privilege of welcoming Anna Biedenbender to the podcast. Welcome, Anna. Hi. Uh, for those listening that uh, haven't heard about you before, Anna, could you tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a visual artist, singer, and worship coordinator up in the Twin Cities. So I have a, a studio where I paint and sell work from in Northeast Minneapolis up here. As for being a singer, I get to be in a choir up here and do some solo work and and then work with and sing with my worship team at my church where I worship coordinate as well, do some office work and uh, some design and communications work. So lots of different things, keeping my life creative and, and busy, which is good. Awesome. Anna, you actually have the the distinction of being the first person on a podcast that neither Tim nor I had actually met before. Um, <laughs> so I was digging around your website and in the about section, it says that you are interested in the human condition. And I was just curious, how have you found painting or drawing or any visual media to be a valuable tool in exploring that? Yeah, I, I really love uh, people. I like thinking about them and and discovering why why they do what they do, why they say what they say, how they became who they are, what what drives them, their beliefs, just all those things, you know, however you want to define human conditions specifically, I guess, but everything that kind of makes up an individual. And for me, I most of my paintings, as you probably saw on the website, are just one person. They're kind of portraits, a little more abstract or kind of pulled back um, at times. But when I get to spend 30 or 40 plus hours just kind of sitting with a painting of a person, I just I get to think about about all those things, all those questions that I that I mentioned about them. And that's just really exciting for me to do. I typically take photos of people and those are my references for what I work, what I work from. And it, I guess it might sound kind of creepy, but I'm generally having a conversation with a person and I'm, I'm snapping photos of them as, as we're talking with my phone, just to catch these glimpses of expressions or gestures that they might not consciously know that they're doing or, or making, but that I think really show the real them. And Finding those later, looking through those dozens of photos and finding one that just really shows me a, a vulnerable moment and makes me feel like I can relate to them, that's 
that's something I get excited about and something that I want to spend time painting. Because if I can paint that, and if I can then also show my own vulnerability in how I paint, then that helps me relate to other people in real life too, I think. Showing that vulnerability, showing showing empathy in, in discovering and trying to understand where a person's coming from, all those things just drive what I do. Let's see, in terms of, of painting as a, as a media, I just I happen to love the, the feel of paint. I primarily use oils, and um, I do a lot of layering. I use credit cards and squeegees and tape and um, brushes sometimes. <laughs> but working with all those different tools to create different marks, um, mark making is just something I really love. And probably because I was taught by printmakers and drafters, like Jason Jasperson, I think you've had on here, and um, Stephanie Barron. So if you haven't talked to her yet, you should talk to her. Um, we'll put her on the list. Yeah, Chad Lindemann. Um, so that's that's really influenced how I how I make work. But all of that is culminating in these layers of of error. Essentially, it's it's working through error to try and answer these questions that I have about about people and about how I relate to them and how I can better connect with them. And as a Christian, that's the, you know, that's our number one goal as, as people here to connect with people and to, and to share the love of Jesus. And so that's, that's my way of exploring that when I'm, when I'm painting, not to mention just an act of prayer, I think without, without words um, very often. So. Sure. You talked about a little bit about how you, you meet with your subjects and take pictures of them. How do you actually go about picking your subjects? Generally, they're just people that I know from everyday life. Often it's been people from, from my church, family members, friends. So I've, I have the, you know, some kind of extended period of time where I'm, where I'm with them and, and able to have a conversation with them. But most often there's something about them that, I, I can't I can't really explain it. I, I've I've used the or talked about it in terms of the idea of like a punctum um, or the the punctum in terms of photography. Like there's just something that catches you, and I can't always explain that about a person, and and that often shapes the question. You know, what is it that's catching me about them? Why why am I interested in in their expressions? What do I want to know about them more? If I keep going like this, I'm just going to sound like a super creeper guy. So I <laughs> get me on like another, <laughs> another question. Just keep talking. I'm like, what are you saying, Anna? This is ridiculous. No, no, I like it. Um, makes me feel less creepy about myself. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Um, let, steering of a little different direction. Uh, you, you mentioned a little bit about how being a Christian influences your work. Um, could you talk about both how that influences your exploration and your conversations with these people as you're you're getting to know them, but also how it affects the finished work? So, I mean, I think for all of us, our faith is a it's it's the lens that we see through. Everything is shaped by that. And as you know, new creations, we're we can't help that. It's just everything's automatically changed. So 
I, I see people in terms of, you know, I, I might know that they're already a brother and sister in Christ, but they might not be. And so really my work is becoming a mirror of me trying to figure out how to relate to people who aren't myself. How can I better get to know them? Because that, that having a relationship with somebody else is where you can have those conversations about, about Jesus, about faith, about your faith life, about how you live as a Christian, how you are a follower of Jesus. And um, so there's, I mean, there's, there's many things I don't know. And, and that's probably the reason why I paint. I'm, I'm just trying to figure it out and, and think and pray on it while I'm making work. And I do think that the process by which I paint and the vulnerability that I can show through painting is that's important to reflect that as as a Christian because I'm I'm not perfect and I do have questions and I do have fears and I do have doubts and I think far too often Christians probably come across in the opposite way um, maybe not intentionally but. I, I just want to be really conscious of that myself. And I think my painting is a way that I can do that. And I think that comes through in my singing too, if I could, I guess, steer it to that, that kind of creative work too. But when I'm singing, that's where I also feel the most vulnerable. Singing in general is a, as I think you guys know, you guys are both musicians, you know? Yeah. Um, it, that's a vulnerable thing to just have you and your voice so, so when I get to sing, there's things that happen with my voice that I don't know. I just, I, it's just this prayerful and worshipful space that I, the spirit often lets me get to when I'm, when I'm singing. And I, I think that can be described as like in the zone or really focused, you know, and we talk about that in terms of the creative process. I think for a Christian that you can talk about that on a level of, you know, you're exploring the beauty and truth of, of God and that's a privilege to be able to do that. You mentioned that when you're working on a painting or a drawing of sorts that you don't necessarily always know what it's going to end up like, but you're trying to make it a, a depiction of, of that person's vulnerability. How often do you find yourself going back to a painting and changing a part of it because you want to express something different? Often, very, very often. <laughs> I think I think every single painting of mine has started as five different paintings. And they might have been of the same person, but they also might not have been. Some of those things are because of the photographs that I use, you know, like the design kind of rules that, that dictate, you know, is this, this composition isn't quite right or, or the color palette on this isn't working. I mean, those things very much affect it too. But the the cool part is that after all of that layering, at, well, as I'm working, all of that layering, even if it looks like junk, <laughs> I'm still, I'm okay with that because the layering gives it depth. That depth is just, it's only another reflection of, of us as people. You know, we're, we're not just one, one thing. So yeah, the, pretty much all of my paintings will be at least five failed paintings. And that, since that process ends up being so long, like it's probably about a year or two for each painting, um, unless I'm working under a deadline. But uh, I think some of my best paintings have been the ones where I've let, let that long span play out and let all those layers play out. 
and all those errors come through. And that conversation between me and the painting and what's working, what's not working, what's happening. And if I expected that to happen or if I didn't expect that to happen. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, that's my studio practice in a nutshell is, is that working and reworking and layering and asking more questions and, and thinking about it more maybe picking up another photograph and contemplating that or them, you know, depending on who's in it. Sure. Yeah. This is a question that maybe doesn't have an answer, but then how do you determine when the painting has reached its completion? <laughs> I I mean, I hate to say it's kind of a cliche answer of like, you just kind of know, or it feels like it. I think, I think as artists, I think it's, it's a combination of your, your learned knowledge about, okay, these, these design things are, are complete, you know, there's balance and the color palette is right. And the composition is clear. And so all of those things are working out just right. But you, from working for so long or exploring those things, understanding those things over time, you just kind of innately know after a while or subconsciously know after a while. So yeah, I just, I, I just kind of know it's done based on the balance of all of those different elements. And hopefully I'm just personally happy with it too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just like, that's a, that's I like part of it. Looks. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. A few questions ago, you started talking a little bit about that sort of artistic zone. I, I ask this question to a lot of our guests, but ha have you found there to be anything in particular that helps you either get into the zone or stay in the zone or achieve the zone more often? Well, discipline in general, just you get into the studio and you work. It doesn't really matter how you're feeling. Um, you just start. and. And I often I think I just end up finding myself in the zone because I I made the decision to to work. If I feel like I need inspiration, I'll look at different artists. I generally scroll through my Instagram. I follow a lot of artists there to just start to get excited about painting again. Because you kind of, especially with my job at church, you know, there's a you get pulled in a lot of different directions, doing a lot of different things, and I'm blessed that. My job is very creative and, and I can make it as creative as I want to be really in some ways. So I sometimes have to remind myself of why I like doing this solitary act of pushing, you know, this stuff around on a surface. <laughs> um, um, you have to, you have to look again and see for me, see visually what beautiful things can be made by doing that. And, and what interesting questions can come up by making things like that. So that's, that's kind of what I think about when I, you know, scroll through my Instagram feed or I'm, I'm trying to, to get excited about why I do what I do again. Well, thank you, Anna, so much for your time. We really enjoyed having you on the podcast. Thank you. Really appreciate being here. For our listeners who want to know more about you and your work, is there anywhere we can point them? Absolutely. My website is annaleebedenbender.com. If you have trouble spelling that, I think you said it's going to be on your website. So you can In the show notes, yep. copy and paste it from there. But yeah, that'll show, show more of my work. You can also check me out on Instagram at a underscore beads, B-I-E-D-S, and see more there too. All right, Anna, we'll talk to you again sometime.
Sounds good. Thank you very much. That wraps it up for another episode of the podcast. One of the goals we've had with the community of Wells Creatives is to create these connections that haven't previously existed. So we are happy to have Anna on today and make a new friend and make a new connection. We're hoping to continue to do that moving forward. So as always, if you have any questions you'd like answers to or any people you'd like us to talk to, or if you'd like to talk to us on the podcast, feel free to reach out to us at heartsandhandspodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on any social media platform at Wells Creatives. And be sure to check us out on Patreon. There you can gain access to exclusive content and bonus features. You can find us at patreon.com slash heartsandhandspodcast. We're very thankful for the support we've received there, and we're excited to keep producing more content. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.